following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. We are uh, in the middle of a series on the church defined, which it's been pointed out to me that we've bit off way more than we can chew with that title. And so the best that we can possibly do is to just highlight the things that the Lord wants to highlight about the, the uh, work of the church, what he's established the church for, how, is he, how he has established the church. Um, and, and we really believe that the church is really a community of people who are about their father's business. Um, I'm sure there's a lot more to that, but that's how I would define it, that the church is a missional community that it has uh, come into the family of God, and now we get to walk out the purposes of Jesus on the earth, and so that's what we're doing. Today, in light of um, kind of celebrating our kids, and just in light of the things that the Lord's had on my heart recently, even as it relates to Uh, having just celebrated our 30th anniversary as a church, I want to talk about the multi-generational nature of the church that God's established. That he has, for good reason, often described in scripture the church as a family because we're meant to function in that way where there are multiple generations that are working together and growing together um, and, and operating for the sake of his kingdom. And that's really something that, that we have a heart for. I believe it's something that the Lord's really sewn into the fabric of this body, that the church is meant to be a multi-generational expression of the heart of God. So Pastor Bob talked about a lot of the barriers that were broken when the church was born. And, you know, he talked about the, that the verse in... Um, in Acts when it talks about the, the birth of the church and that there's no, no longer um, male nor female, Greek or Jew, that, that ethnic barriers were broken, gender barriers were broken, and I believe also that generational barriers were broken. That the prophecy in Joel 3 says your sons and your daughters will prophesy. It also says that your old men will dream dreams and and your young men will see visions. And so it's it's giving a place for the activity of the Holy Spirit, the work of God amongst the generations, which is different than how it was before. It seems very common to us, but it was different in that day because there was this sort of disqualification until you had reached this certain place. In, in generations, and the Lord wants to pour out his spirit on generations together, amen? And so that's something that we're going after, that there is a oneness, a partnership that was won by the death and resurrection of Jesus, and it was released by the spirit of God for us to walk in. Oneness, and I am passionate about oneness because Jesus is passionate about oneness. So I want to see oneness in the body. I want to see oneness between the the genders. I want to see oneness in generations. And that's what we're speaking to today. So what that means is, is that we're committed to walking together even when it's difficult. 
that God's heart for the church is a unified generational church that knows how to give honor to one another, that knows how to lend strength to one another, that knows how to give to one another and to see a heritage of faith passed on and brought forth that we couldn't possibly do without that connection between the generations. We see in scripture that health and blessing is tied to the generations being connected. I'm going to use as an example uh, the story in Exodus 17, starting in verse 8, and I don't think I'm going to read the whole thing. Um, I might just kind of paraphrase it. But here's the gist of it. This is a story where the, um, the, the Jews had been walking through the wilderness for a little while now. And what's interesting is when God led Israel out of captivity... He led them out with riches. You know, I did not know that until very recently. Well, not very recently, but a few years ago, that they had actually taken with them a bunch of gold and, and, and riches from Egypt. And so here we have one million people walking through the wilderness with a wad of cash. Right? Right? So they became fodder for plunderers because they had something that was valuable and so the enemies would come in and want to plunder that from them. So in this story, they know that the Amalekites are coming to plunder the riches that they're carrying. It's the first mention really of Joshua and what we see is that Moses sends Joshua out. He says, gather an army, go out and meet the Amalekites. We're going to meet them before they get to us. And we're going to fight a battle. And he says, I'm going to go up on, I'm going to take the rod, and I'm going to go up on the mountain, and you're going to take the sword, and you're going to fight the battle. And so we see this picture of Moses and Joshua taking unique positions in the midst of this battle. Moses with the rod, and Joshua with the sword. So if I look at uh, verse 11, chapter 17, verse 11 of Exodus, it says, and so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed, and when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. And then in verse 13, we, we hear that Aaron and Hur helped support Moses' arms when he got tired. And then in verse 13, Joshua defeated Amalek and his people by the edge of the sword. What's interesting to me about this is this statement, because it just got done saying, Joshua could only win when Moses held up his arms. And then it says, Joshua defeated Amalek by the edge of the sword. Really? Is that how it went? I think it's interesting that the victory and the safety of Joshua was just as much in the hands of Moses, if not more so, than it was in Joshua's ability to use his sword. And I believe this is a picture for us as, as the next generation to recognize that we need to be connected to the generation before us in order to have victory in the things that the Lord wants to bring. And likewise, Moses could not see that victory if Joshua wasn't willing to grab his sword and to get in the fray. And so there's this connection between the rod and the sword that God wants to maintain. You know, we can train and equip the next generation all we want. 
But if the rod and the sword are not connected to one another in relationship, we won't have the victory. I really believe that. And so we see this picture of what a healthy church is meant to look like. It's meant that generations are in position with one another and that we recognize that we need one another. We recognize that, that we can't do this alone. A healthy, thriving church is connected in this way, and the only possible way to have that connection is through honor and value. We have to, we, we talk here about a culture of honor, and, and it, it, we have that as it relates to the generations, that we honor one another in the generations. It really hurts my heart, it is vexatious to my soul when I hear the phrase, okay, boomer. Do you guys know that phrase? No. Good. <laughs> but it, it basically, it's this idea of saying that, oh, you're out of touch, a younger generation, saying, oh, you're out of touch, it's sort of an ironic you know, snotty, you know, whatever, that you're out of touch with where we are here. Okay, boomer. Ugh. None of that. This is, we, we just don't need that kind of dishonor among the generations. And likewise, I'm so, so tired of the millennial mocking. Of this attitude towards the generation where we're mocking their, their ways of being and the things that they're after, this grieves the heart of God. I'm so grateful that that's not what we run with here. That that is a cultural norm somewhere else, but that our cultural norm is honor. That we see the value in one another. We see the value in the authority and the strength and the wisdom that's been won by the Moseses. And we see the value in the energy and the strength and the go get them that's, that's, that's rising up in the Joshua's. And we want to honor those things. So we want to see honor among the generations. In Ephesians 6, 2 through 4, it says, Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth. Then it says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. We want to, even with these young ones, we can honor that generation as fathers and mothers. Whether you have kids here or not, whether you have kids at all or not, we can honor the generations. All of us have generations that are before us, and all of us have generations that are after us in a way, I think, all of us. And so there are people, there always are people that we can demonstrate honor to that are either in a generation before us or after us. And that there's a blessing that comes with that. Honor means to esteem, to value as precious. Those that have uh, volunteered to teach in our Sunday school rooms have made a choice and said, I value these kids as precious. That they are worth investing in. They are worth the time and the mess and the noise and, and all the fun. Did I say fun? I should have said fun, yeah. But we value them. They're worth investing in. And we want to value the generation that's come before us. 
When it says don't provoke your children, it's, it means don't exasperate them to the point of resentment or make trivial or unreasonable demands or be humiliating to them. Amen. We, have a, we have a responsibility to honor the generation that's coming behind us, even when we don't understand what they're doing or, or the way they come at something or they're working through what they think about things. We will have a voice in their life if we can attach honor to that voice. We get to speak into one another when we, when we win that through our honor for one another. The generations need one another. We see this pattern in scripture, this multi-generational pattern, Moses and Joshua, that Joshua needed Moses just as, as much as Moses needed Joshua. Or Elijah and Elisha, the prophet, Elijah needed someone to pass his mantle onto. And so we need one another in the, the generations. As, as a younger generation, I'm, I'm a little, I feel like I kind of am in the middle of generations. I, I feel like I'm not really sure, I feel really old some days. And other days I feel younger. But, but I know that there is a generation before me that took ground that I didn't have to fight for. This has never been more clear to me <laughs> than in this season. That there, the reason that Joshua could even stand and fight that battle was because all of these miles back here, a generation before him, had fought the battles and walked the walk and taken ground on their behalf. And so I know as the younger generation that there are those that have fought for things that I don't have to fight for, that they carry a wisdom and an experience and a stability that I need. I have zero problem going to Pastor Bob or Pastor Dave and saying, help me out here. I need, I need some insight. Because they've seen things that I haven't seen. Because they've fought battles and won them that I haven't fought and won yet. And I need somebody to say, yeah, you can win that one. So we need one another. And I have generations that are coming after me that my heart's desire is that I will take ground for them. The Lord has, has raised something up in me that begins to look at the generation to come. That some of you that are in here, that are youth, that I go, oh, I've got, I want to pass more over to you. And in some ways, what I'm doing is I'm inviting you into it. Like, hey, let's take more ground together. There's more that God wants to bring. So we need one another in that. So this is our commitment to the next generation. Our commitment to the generation that's gone before us is that we will honor you. And we'll have gratitude for the ground that you've taken. And sometimes when we have generational sermons, it's like this generation's done and now it's, now it's this generation's turn. It's just not how it works in the kingdom. I need you in your position. Those of you that are in the generation before me. It's not like, hey, we got this. It's like, hey, we don't got this. <laughs> we need you. 
run with us a little longer. So our commitment to the next generation is that we will point ourselves at you as well in the same way that the generation before me pointed themselves at me and raised me up, we'll point ourselves at you and, and we'll pursue you. The survival of any culture or values or way of life is, really hinges on the ability of one generation to pass that on to another generation. And that doesn't happen through rhetoric or precepts. That happens through relationship. That happens through being there and walking together. I have, um, we had a reunion recently in my dad's side of the family. And every time, this is maybe the third or fourth year, every time we go, we walk away from that time, and Brian and I always marvel at the heart, the culture of that time is so honoring and pointed at the next generation. There are kids running around everywhere. And there's this heart of the adults to pull them into things. We're not, we're not doing a lot of separate adult activities and whatever. It's, they're, they're, it's serving the kids because they want them to have these memories together as family. They want them to know their second cousins and to, and so, one of the examples from the last time is three of my uncles decided they're going to take a bunch of kids fishing on a pontoon boat. Can you put the picture up? And so three of my uncles take 14 kids <laughs> on a pontoon. And I'm standing on the dock going, I, there's nothing that would get me into that boat. <laughs> But, but they take 14 kids. And they said, we're not coming back till every kid catches a fish. <laughs> what? We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> I thought, you're not coming back till every kid catches a fish or someone gets a hook in the cheek or something. <laughs> I, but they worked it out and every kid caught a fish. Do you have the video? Can you play the video? So here's them. Do you have sound? It's a sea shanty they taught them. Okay, you can stop it now. So this, is, this was such a picture to me of how I want to serve the next generation. Do you know that it's not easier to bring them in the boat with us? It's just not. But it's so worth it to teach them the culture, to teach them how to fish. Every puller kid is going to know how to fish. It's the rules. So this is what I want to do. This is the kind of church family that I want to have. A healthy family is pointed at the next generation. 
A healthy church is pointed at the next generation. That doesn't mean that this generation's done. It just means that part of what you're doing, you recognize, is not for you. It's for the sake of what's to come. And the Lord's <clears throat> stirring this in me. That we would take a responsibility for our kids in this. Whether we have kids or not. That we would take a responsibility which affects how we live and how we spend our time and what we think about and how we pray. So there's three ways that we're going to commit to this. And one of them is we're going to cover the next generation. We are going to cover them. That's not the same as smothering them. But we're going to cover them. The example that I see of this is Esther and Mordecai. We need Mordecai's fathering Esther's. That's what saves a nation. So Esther's getting ready. If you know the story, she's, the king needs a new queen. We're not sure what he did with the old one, but it probably wasn't good. The king needs a new queen, and Esther gets brought into the... Uh, to the mix of that and she has favor and Esther's getting ready and Mordecai is covering her in Esther 2.11 it says every day Mordecai paced in front of the court of the women's quarters to learn of Esther's welfare and what was happening to her we are going to cover the next generation in the call that they have Amen. we're going to cover them with our prayers we see this with Paul and Tim Timothy you know Paul handed Timothy the most messed up church you probably could hand him. It was in it, the place where Timothy was, was pastoring. <laughs> was a mess. A bunch of people that had all kinds of practices and things that had to be brought into the truth and reality of how to walk in the kingdom of heaven, how to be like Jesus. And here was Paul. Paul didn't go, well, good luck, Timothy. Glad it's not me. He said in 2 Timothy 1.3, I thank God who I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. There's that generational messaging. That without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Timothy covered, or Paul covered Timothy. He said, you're not alone in this. And we will, we will cover the next generation. We will cover them in prayer. We will cover them. We will not allow access to them by the things that, that want to access the next generation. I don't care how strong it seems that the spirit of the age is. The spirit of God is stronger than that. And we'll press into that and we'll cover them. We'll cover them with hope. And we'll have expectation of God working on their behalf. You know, the next generation is facing an enormous pressure. When the Bible says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of their mind, the pressure to conform is massive. But we will cover them. We'll stand in the current with them. The next thing that we're going to do is we're going to lead them. And this isn't leading like we're going to tell them what to do, because we're pretty good at that. But we have a responsibility to lead the next generation by walking with them. That's how we lead. 
We lead by example. We, as, as the older generation, we are going to be the most passionate, fanatical lovers of Jesus. It's not like, oh, it's their time, but we're going to lead them in that. We're not just teaching them the precepts of Christianity. We're leading them into the presence of God because our pursuit is after him. And we're leading them into that, into that with us. This is, this is how Jesus led. He brought people along with them, with him, and lived with them and ate with them. And, and they got to see how he acted off the stage, so to speak. And this is what we're committed to, that we will walk alongside them. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. I want to give them something to imitate. So how I lead them is I press into Jesus and then I bring them along with me in that. So we will cover them. We will lead them. One of the ways that we're going to lead them is we're going to continue to take territory on their behalf. We're not waiting for them like, well, we've taken it this far. It's your job now. We're not waiting for them, but we're going to continue to take territory. I am so grateful that my, uh, my Pastor Bob and Pastor Dave and every, every other leader that's sewn into the body here, that your ceiling is my floor do you know what I'm more grateful about? Is that you haven't stopped moving. That your ceiling can be my floor, but you're still taking ground. That I, I, get, to, I get to partake in that, and we want to do that for the next generation. Jesus said in John 4.38, I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have come in to reap the harvest. Jesus was constantly setting his eyes on the next generation. The reason he even raised up the disciples was for every generation after that. He was saying, I'm praying for you, but not only for you, but for those that will believe because of you. So this is, our eyes are set on taking territory for the next generation. We have a huge oak tree out here. <clears throat> Don't you love this oak tree? Yeah. It speaks to me. Not really. I'm just, I mean, it doesn't really speak. But, but I just love it. And I was talking about how, you know, it's starting to, we've had to hack off some dead branches, and it's getting older, and I'm beginning to have this sadness for the, this oak tree that eventually, maybe, it, may, it won't make it. And I said, we really, I really want to plant something. Like, we need to plant something for the, so that we have... But guess what? If I plant an oak tree today, I will not sit in its shade, probably ever. But I'm still going to plant it. Because we're, doing, we're planting something for the next generation. I want the next generation to have the big, friendly oak tree. And actually, I'm blessing this tree. Let's all bless this tree and that it'll live and it'll be fine. But, but in addition to that, let's have more oak trees. 
So we're walking in things that someone else sowed the seed for, and we want to do the same for the generation that's to come. So we will cover them, we'll lead them, and I'm going to end with this. We want to believe in the next generation. Not just in them, but in what God wants to do through them. I am sad for the times when we speak hopelessness over the next generation. Our job is to speak identity. Our job is to see what it is that the Lord wants to to do through them and to bring hope to them for what's to come. Our job is to speak the truth, yes, and to speak it in love, not to speak the truth in fear because we see the writing on the wall and what's to happen. No, I see the writing. We are part of a kingdom that is advancing, and they're part of that. And so I'm going to speak hope, and I'm going to speak identity over them. Moses spoke hope over, uh, over Joshua. God said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua. We need to speak hope over the next generation. Mordecai spoke identity over her. We're going to name them. Just like we name our kids, and a lot of times we put thought into what we want to name our kids and who they're going to be, there are nameless ones in your life that need someone to come along and say, this is your name. This is who you are, even when they're not acting like it. Can we see beyond that and see what it is that God's called them to? Can we remove the labels over the next generation and speak truth into them, speak hope. We're going to believe in them. We're going to value them. God believes in them. So we are a church, as any healthy family would be, we are a church that is going to have honor among the generations We're a church that is going to point ourselves in investing in the next generation. And that is our privilege as the church. When we talk about the church speaking prophetically to the the seasons that we're in and to the culture, that is what we get to do as the church. We get to come against a culture that wants to bring division between the generations. We want to come... We want to... come against a culture that wants to kind of abandon the next generation to their ways and their, well, it's just what they do. No, we will invest in them. We'll take responsibility for them. Amen? Amen. Let's stand. I just want to, I don't know what I want to do yet. I want us to bless the generation before us and the generation after us. So wherever you fall in that, aren't you grateful I'm not going to do math and divide us into generations? Isn't that great? Nobody likes it when they're somewhere and they go, okay, let's have everybody 30 and up. And you go, what? When did I become the next generation? But here's what I want to do right now. I just want you to ask the Lord. We're going to consider the generation that's come before us. So wherever you're at, 
and ask the Lord, what do you want me to bless that generation with? And if we could just, like, we're not talking three to five sentences. I'm talking one word, two words, three words. Can some of you just speak out what you want to bless the generation with? I'll start. I want to bless the generation before me with fulfilled dreams. Yes. Value. Divine health. Yes. I want to invite them into what I'm doing. Yeah. Divine satisfaction. Yes. Forgiveness. Yeah. Joy over health issues. Thank you, Lord. Renewed strength. Yeah. Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Yes, we bless the generation before us with all these things. We pray that this would be the beginning of us blessing that generation daily. Would you remind us of how we can bless them, how we can honor them, how we can partner with them? And now, Lord, would you show us, how do you want us to bless the generation after us? Just ask the Holy Spirit, what do you want me to bless the next generation with? Hmm. Grace. Inner strength. Yeah. Perseverance. Yeah. Courage. Yeah. Patience. Yeah. Thank you. Dependence on God. Yes. Understanding. Mm-hmm. Eyes to see and ears to hear. Yes. Amen. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you that you are faithful from generation to generation. And that will be our declaration and that will be our testimony, God. We pray that you would help us to honor one another, to partner with one another for the sake of what you want to do on the earth in this day at this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.